0: Hello, my name is Julian Neuer. I am a computer scientist, an amateur linguist, and a writer. You can find some of my stories at my WordPress page at corianderpause.wordpress.com. That's coriander, as in the herb, and pause, as in a temporary stop. Coriander pause wordpress.com In this podcast, I'll read a short story of mine called The Rosetta Dream. At the end of the podcast, I give more information about the subject that inspired me to write it. I also include this information in the show notes. The Rosetta Dream by Julia Neuer People can be forgiven for overrating language. Words make noise or sit on a page for all to hear and see. But thoughts? Thoughts are trapped inside the head of the thinker. Steven Pinker A few hours after N learns of the archaeologist's discovery, the dream comes. As usual, the sounds and visions in the dream are vivid, not in the least dreamlike. For want of a better word, we refer to N's experience as a dream, although N himself would probably object. Actually, he would object to any word that we might choose, because he does not use words at all. N's mind, if we may call it a mind, but this is the very point of this caveat, to fully appreciate N's experience, we must learn not to place too much value on words. N's mind deals in pure concepts, in nonverbal mentalese, in the stuff of ideas themselves much higher on the abstraction scale than sound waves emitted by the respiratory tract of animals or ink markings strewn on sheets of dead vegetable tissue. The experience that we refer to as N's dream is in fact a process that we would find unimaginable a process whereby N's mind communicates freely with hundreds of thousands of other intelligent minds, now in the same mental state as in, the state we have agreed to refer to as a dream. In such a state, concepts, not words, remember, flow instantly from individual to individual. Ideas germinate, grow, and reproduce. And the ecology of the collective subconscious unfolds according to laws and principles that we, poor babblers of verbal gibberish, would liken to telepathy or just plain magic. Well, a few hours after Anne learns of the archaeologist's discovery, the dream comes. As usual, the sounds and visions in the dream are vivid, not in the least dreamlike. At the beginning, N finds himself in a vast savanna at the center of a flat world with equidistant horizons. He looks to the side and sees columns of white smoke rising up to the blue sky in irregular patterns. N now realizes there is a logic to the patterns. What he sees is a very primitive means of communication. Anne is sure that the smoke signals mean something, but he does not know what, nor is he really interested. Anne is startled by a clap of thunder that booms all around the savannah. The sound, however, does not die out as proper thunder should. Instead, the continuous roar gradually changes into a rhythmic, quick-tempo beat. After a while, another beat emerges, lower in frequency and slower in tempo. The two oral threads combine and revolve around each other in hypnotic fashion. They are puffs of sound, so to speak. Like the smoke signals, they elicit in N the same certainty. Someone is using these primitive instruments to communicate and does not know what the meaning is, nor is he really interested. Now the sound of the log drums rises in pitch, and the tempo quickens, so much, in fact, that the drum beats now sound like a succession of beeps, all equal in tone but varying in duration, a rapid firing of tedious tweets like a flock of brainwashed birds. But Ann, for all the vast arsenal of pure concepts available to his collective dream or mind, has no idea what brainwashing or birds are, and would be at a loss to grasp the simile. Ann does not know what the beeps mean, nor is he really interested. The savanna disappears, and Ann wakes up. His brain quickly switches to the wakeful network where the collective mind is still discussing the object the archaeologists found yesterday. More accurate descriptions of the object are available today. It is obviously artificial. A disk whose core, made of silicon, contains myriads of intricate micro-patterns etched on its surface, protected under a metal coating. There are thousands of rectangular micro-patterns printed on the disk, with even smaller patterns inscribed in them. N learns that the object has been dated at over 9,000 years in the past. This is an impressive time span, even for the advanced collective mind that N is part of. The disk comes from an era long before the collective mind started to evolve, from a time when humans had to store and communicate information using physical media located outside their minds and their bodies. Anne and the collective mind remember the primitive concept of electronic computers, and the even more primitive concept of verbal communication, an artificial, unreliable layer of arbitrary visual and oral symbols intended to convey ideas, but whose ultimate effect was to obfuscate the very concepts they were supposed to express. The verbal condition seems primitive and ridiculous to N and his telepathically connected fellow minds. He can't help thinking of the creators of the disk as inferior creatures. The collective mind briefly considers the possibility that the creators of the disk did not even belong to an intelligent species in any present sense of the term. Then, The collective mind concludes that the patterns on the disk are verbal symbols and obviously mean something, but their meaning is of no great importance and the disk is quickly forgotten. The Rosetta Project, rosettaproject.org, is one of the many fascinating activities of the Long Now Foundation. You can find information about the Long Now Foundation at longnow.org. And you can find information about the real Rosetta disc at the URL rosettaproject.org slash disc slash concept. In his book, The Third Chimpanzee, Jared Diamond defends the thesis that the advent of verbal language among humans played a decisive role in what he calls the Great Leap Forward, the stage in human history about 60,000 years ago, when innovation and art at last emerged we can conjecture that a future switch from words to nonverbal mentalese for human communication will usher in an equally drastic leap forward a linguistic singularity so to speak at the cost of language as we know it today the epigraph is an excerpt from the chapter titled mentalese in stephen pinker's book the language instinct Attribution for the music and sounds used in the soundtracks is in the show notes. This is Julian Neuer. You can find more stories by me at corianderpaws.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicum Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com All Binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages From shared hosting to custom private clouds go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs Unless otherwise stated today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alive 3.0 License